Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about WandaVision. And man, when you watch WandaVision, you just know I am so freaking lucky to be writing in this golden age of television when we can actually get away with WandaVision. Um, when we can actually get away with what should be an experimental television show or thesis project for college, right? When we can get away with that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? On Disney with a gigantic budget. Um, what this shows you is that the lid has literally been blown off of what you can and cannot do as a screenwriter today. Um, what this is showing you is what we talk about on this show all the time, right? The idea that that you as a screenwriter, right, uh, that success doesn't come from following some formula. Rather, it comes from going inside and finding that story that literally only you could write, telling that story that literally only you could tell, finding that unique voice that only you have, right? And there's a habit that we all have, right? We want to kind of surrender our power, right? We want to play nice. We want to play by the rules. We want to do the things that we're supposed to do. Um, and we often think that if we play nicely like that, and if we follow the rules and if we follow the formulas that somehow we are going to have the Hollywood life that we envision for ourselves, right? That you could sell out into a future that actually works. Um, and of course, that's exactly the opposite of what's true. What's actually true is um, there are way too many experienced writers who can write a clear, well-told story with a good premise. Um, and the thing that breaks you in as a writer is that unique voice, that unique take, that unique thing that literally only you could come up with, right? And sometimes it's a script that doesn't get made that breaks you in as a writer. Um, sometimes it's a script that people don't have the courage uh, to make like they have the courage to make WandaVision that makes people go, oh, I need to read more of her work. I need to read more of their work. I need to, I need to work with this person because they have this incredible voice. Um, you may have noticed as I'm talking about your journey as a writer, it sounds oddly similar to Wanda's journey in WandaVision, right? Um, because I think WandaVision is not just a, a history lesson in television. I think WandaVision is not just a structure lesson in how to build an action adventure superhero movie that's actually about something. I think WandaVision is not only a thematic lesson about how to use theme to focus even the wildest work into a shape that a mainstream audience can connect to and understand. but. I think WandaVision is also a commentary on the journey of every writer. Um, just like Wanda, we come from influences. Um, we grow up watching shows. We grow up watching movies. We, watch up, we grow up inspired by other writers and believing that we 
are supposed to have a life like theirs. We we buy into other people's vision and um, often and in the process, we end up surrendering our voice and surrendering our power, trying to please those around us and trying to hold on to this vision of who we are supposed to be. And we also hold on to that vision in the way we structure our scripts, right? We make these beautiful, very clear outlines that make so much sense, right? We come up with a great pitch. We come up with a great log line. We come up with a great synopsis. Like we think we know what the story we're telling is. We have a, a vision for it. And where does that vision come from? It often comes from, even though we're not conscious of it, what society is telling us a story is supposed to be, what Hollywood is telling us a movie is supposed to be, what we've already seen right? Rather than from our own voice and our own experiences and the truth of what actually is. And we get attached to that vision, right? We get attached to that structure. And sometimes along the way, we end up smothering our characters, right? Not allowing them to have voices of their own, not allowing them to be who they want to be, not allowing them to express themselves, and in the process, we rob them of their voices in the same way that we are robbing ourselves of our own voice. And there's a beautiful and painful process by which we all as artists have to come to this place where we both honor our influences and honor the beauty of our aspirations and honor the great things of the lives that we want but where we also have to let go of our past and let go of our plans and let go of our vision in order to own our voice and step into our power and really step into our future and more importantly, into our present as an artist to actually honor the characters on the page, the structure that the story wants to be. So there's this very complicated balancing act that we're all doing. And oftentimes as writers, we feel like Wanda in episode one, right? We've got all these pots and pans and plates and forks and knives and spoons, right? And we are balancing them, them all together, trying to impress some boss who doesn't even appreciate what we are doing. And just like Wanda, our desire to impress, our desire to please, right, ends up getting in the way of us being who we really want to be. So what I believe Jack Schaefer has done and her incredible team of writers have done on WandaVision is not only written something that we can study deeply, and you know, I'm doing a podcast on this, right? I could do 15 podcasts on WandaVision and not cover everything. I could do a nine week long class on WandaVision. We could look at every episode. That's how, how complicated and beautiful the writing of this project actually is. Um, but for today, I wanna hit the big things, the big takeaways, right? Uh, and the first one, the first one is theme. Um, now, a little warning, um, there are going to be spoilers in this podcast. You cannot talk about WandaVision without spoilers. So if you have not seen WandaVision yet, please run, don't walk, pay the money, subscribe to Disney+, Plus, watch WandaVision. Um, because 
this show is going to influence the way that that everybody thinks about what a show can actually be and how far you can actually push the limits and the supposed rules. So you need to watch WandaVision if you want to be a television writer. And quite frankly, you need to watch WandaVision if you want to be a screenwriter because um, because WandaVision just blew the lid off. Um, but in an interesting way, uh, WandaVision blew the lid off while also honoring all the rules of genre. So when you sit down for a Marvel movie, you have some very specific expectations. When you sit down for an Avengers movie, those expectations become even clearer. And if you spend nine episodes watching WandaVision and you never get to a place where two crazy visions are fighting in the sky and Wanda and another witch are fighting it out and the military is descending and crazy crap is happening, if you never reach that moment, the audience is gonna feel robbed. In fact, one of the reasons that the early episodes of WandaVision actually succeed is because you already know Wanda and you already know Vision and you already know Marvel. And so even though you are meeting these characters in this incredibly odd place, right? We, we don't expect to meet Wanda and Vision in I Love Lucy, right? In a 50s sitcom. We're like, what? But we also know that there's no way this show is going to be a 50s sitcom. There's no way it can be a 50s sitcom. Because it's Marvel. Because it's Avengers. Because it's Vision. Because it's Wanda. We know in the next episode that it's not just going to be bewitched. We know it's not just going to be the Brady Bunch. We know it's going to go somewhere much more alarming, much more dramatic genre-wise, right? Much more action-packed and adrenaline pumping. We know this because we trust Marvel and we trust Disney. Or if you're not into those kinds of movies, you're like, well, I know this is going to turn into that kind of dreck. Regardless, you know that there are going to be certain genre elements in this project. And just seeing those characters is a little whisper. Hey, there's going to be some big fight sequences. It's coming. Trust me. And just in case you don't know, Jack Schaefer does some little tiny things early. Now, she is taking huge risks, right? She is making really bold decisions. Um, but she's dropping in some little clues, right? At the end of the first episode, we pull out of the black and white and we are in a very modern world watching it on a TV screen. There's just that one shot that lets us know, hey baby, the Marvel Universe is coming. In episode two, we, we expect uh, it to go to much, much more Marvel-y kind of places. And it doesn't, right? We're basically going to watch them try to do their magic show together. Um, but we're going to have two little moments. We're going to have the moment where the toy helicopter drops and Wanda picks it up and it's in color. And we don't know exactly what it means. And 
We're going to have the moment where the neighbor crushes her glass as something weird comes over the radio. And there's red blood. And I guess there are three things. At the very end of the episode, we are going to see the weird man dressed as a beekeeper. And Wanda is going to go, no. And these little elements, right? These are promising you where this show is going to go. These elements are reminding you, hey, this is where the show is going to go. And in this way, the engine of the show is actually also getting established. There's this very simple engine right at the center of WandaVision, an engine that literally anyone could pitch. Anybody can watch WandaVision and go, oh, what's it about? Well, it's about these two superheroes. but they're living in sitcoms. And I don't freaking know why. It's really weird. But they're living in sitcoms. And each episode is another decade. And we're going to go from I Love Lucy to Bewitched to The Brady Bunch. And we're going to go 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, right? We're just going to, each episode is going to be another decade of television and it's going to be made in that style. But also there's this Marvel world that is going to keep intruding, that is going to keep putting pressure on Wanda, right? That's going to keep on driving into this world right? And we don't know what the world is, but we are learning and we want to understand it. And we're feeling the pressure. In fact, by the time we get to episode four, we're going to go and we're suddenly going to be in full Marvel world, right? And we're going to start to feel that pressure grow to, to a tremendous amount between the Marvel world that wants to break in and this hexagonal bubble of television shows that Wanda has created. And though we don't know why yet, right? Central to the engine is that pressure and her desire to say no, right? We are going to watch Vision, who has no memories of his past, start to become curious and start to recognize that what's going on here is not right and that Wanda is keeping something from him, that Wanda is controlling not only him, but everybody else, right? That there's something false and wrong going on here. We're going to have that growing realization, splitting Wanda and Vision apart. Um, We are going to watch Wanda and Vision go through an entire relationship, right? An entire lifetime together. And that lifetime is going to be informed by each episode, right? But we're going to go from like, hey, we're married to, hey, we have kids to, hey, our kids are 10 years old, right? The kids are, they, everything is going to happen at hyper speed um, in each episode. Like they're living their life at a hundred miles an hour, right? So all of these qualities of engine, right? are being suggested right in those first two episodes. We're already starting to learn them and then they grow and grow and grow. And just like any action movie, what what ends up happening is they all build to a crescendo. Um, In a way, every action movie is like a fireworks show, right? Or every action series is like a fireworks show. Um, It starts off with some cool displays 
and then they gain more and more and more and more and more power. And by the time it's all done, you have this big crescendo where all, all of the themes all come crashing together, right? All of the different uh, excitement and battles and powers all end up clashing all together. And if you think about the final episode of WandaVision, of course, that's exactly what happens. Um, you have two visions fighting in the sky. One who is Wanda's creation of vision and the other, which is uh, sword's creation of vision. And they are fighting it out with crazy superpowers. You've got Wanda squaring off against Agnes, who turns out to be a witch as well. And those two are fighting it out. And we'll talk more about Agnes and where she comes from and why that why that matters later. Um, but you're going to have those two elements coming together. You're going to have the kids held hostage, right? You're going to have the military sword is coming in from the outside. You're going to have the subplot with the FBI agent coming to fruition. You're going to have the Rambo character involved. You are going to have um, you are going to have the brother involved, right? all of these different, you're going to have all the town people converging on Wanda, all of these different problems that have been building and building and building are going to blow up into one giant action crescendo, just like they do in every single action movie. So there's something very interesting happening in WandaVision, right? On the one hand, you have like this radical like film school thesis structure of the engine, right? Of this, these TV shows, and then on the other hand, you have like this very traditional genre structure where you set up a bunch of problems and things get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And, worse and, and you get a crazy spectacle of things blowing up and fight sequences and all those things crescendoing. And guess what? None of those things mean anything without the theme underneath. Yes. On the surface level, we have to serve the genre. Yes, on the surface level, we need to serve the engine. But what's really driving the engine, what's really driving the engine underneath is theme. And what is the theme? It's exactly what Vision says. What is grief, if not love, persevering, right? The theme, the theme is and this is so interesting because um, this is something that Marvel has started to do, but actually all of the big franchises have started to do it. Star Wars has started to do it as well, which is, yes, we can write new Avengers movies. We can write new big Star Wars movies, but we can also drill down into these little tiny elements of these stories, right? We can drill down into these little questions of these stories. So if you think of like, the Mandalorian, right? It's just like drilling down into like, hey, remember that bounty hunter character from from Star Wars? What was his life like, right? Um, if you think about WandaVision, you have these two, like Wanda and Vision are not exactly like the most beloved Avengers, right? Um, but you have these two characters and you just ask this question like, what did Wanda feel like in the wake of Vision's death? 
And you just drill really, really deep into that. And what, what's the craziest choice she could have made in the, in the wake of her grief? Um, what does she want more than anything in the world? What the crazy choice she could have made? And you drill down deeply enough into that and you realize, oh my God, there's a whole little corner of the universe there that can become a, a nine episode series. And if that doesn't show you that literally anything can be a screenplay, literally anything can be a TV show, um, I don't know what will. Um, writers and producers, everyone's always afraid, like, what if my series doesn't have legs? Or what if it's not strong enough? What if it's not a good enough idea? And the truth is, you can make anything a series if you're willing to look at it deeply enough, if you're willing to look at it closely enough. And on the surface, how do you do that? You do that by figuring out an engine and you do that by figuring out the genre elements and making sure those things are going to work. But that's just the surface, right? You could do all that stuff. And at the end of the day, WandaVision would have just been, okay, here is a very derivative version of sitcoms that we've seen in the past that honestly, how good were they then, right? Um, so, okay, we're going to watch crappy sitcoms. And here is another traditional action movie uh, with Avengers blowing shit up, right? Which we've seen in a million different times. And okay, here's a witch versus a witch. And okay, and here in episode seven, Agnes is going to, for some reason, spend a whole hour just getting exposition instead of just immediately trying to get uh, Wanda's powers, right? All those surfacey things, right? That that would have led WandaVision to be like, oh, what a nice, what a nice thesis for film school, right? Well, what an interesting idea, but but wouldn't have given WandaVision its power. All the real power of WandaVision doesn't come from these surfacey elements. It comes from the deep ones underneath. Um, it comes from this character who had this vision for her life. And that vision for her life grew in the way that our vision for our lives grow, right? Being a kid, watching TV shows and falling in love with a very specific kind of television, right? Those kinds of shows where nothing bad ever happened because it's just not that kind of show, right? Falling in love with that and having an expectation that that's what my life's going to be like, right? Um, we don't realize sometimes as screenwriters that we're actually the myth builders of for a whole generation, right? We, we show people what life is supposed to look like. And although we might just be thinking we're writing a crappy sitcom, what we're, what we're actually writing is, is a blueprint, right? We're writing a fairy tale that people are going to believe and ascribe to. And for Wanda, those fairy tales have had a beautiful influence, right? They've cultivated a belief in love and marriage, right? They've cultivated a way of being that means so much for her. They've created a vision for her future that she's deeply in love with and doesn't want to let go of. But they've also messed her up a little bit, right? They've shown her a kind of chauvinistic worldview about what a woman is supposed to be uh, they've shown her a very narrow focused uh, ver version of what a marriage is supposed to look like. Um, 
and they've shown her different ways that she feels like she's supposed to conform to society's demands. Even within her own show that she scripted for herself, she's still trying to conform and fit in, even in a world where she's given the words to all the characters around her. She still feels the need to conform and fit in and be liked, right? And so you have this character at the center of it who's at once very strong and brilliant and powerful, um, but who also has a habit of giving away her own power, right? Who, whose magic is chaos magic, right? Who doesn't yet have the craft and control to actually understand who she is and what her gift is. And she has this past where she used to watch these shows with her parents. And I'm going to guess, I don't know anything about Jack Schaefer, but I'm going to guess that um, that love for all TV shows is actually probably something very personal to Jack Schaefer or to some writer or producer on this project, right? You don't come up with an idea like this by going, what if we move through TV history? You come through this idea and you can feel that love in there, right? You come to an idea like this because like you freaking loved these shows, right? You lived these shows. These shows mattered to you and they meant something to you and they have this nostalgic fact factor for you, right? And you built your life around them to some degree. And now life hasn't turned out exactly the way you planned and you have pain, right? And you're trying to figure out, is that okay? Why doesn't my life look the way it's supposed to look? Did I do something wrong? And if you're a screenwriter, you feel like that character is trying to balance a million pots and pans, right? We, we all know that feeling. And my guess is that's a feeling that Jack Schaefer knows. And so what she's doing is she's reaching deep inside of herself and she's finding this stuff that mattered to her and she's giving it to her character. And we find out that that's Wanda's backstory, right? Now, Wanda's loss is probably blown up beyond whatever Jack Schaefer's loss was, right? Um, but Wanda's loss is the Avengers version of a real feeling of loss that every single person in the world has felt, right? Everybody has felt that kind of loss, right? That kind of loss where you just feel like you lost what mattered most to you and you don't know if you're ever going to get over it, right? We, we've all gone through that and we've all felt like I would give anything to hold on to this person that matters to me, right? We've all felt that feeling. And so the, the very simple concept here, right, is everything starts with theme, Everything starts with theme and we build from theme to the rest of our script. And where does theme come from? Theme doesn't come from an idea in your head. Theme comes from that personal pain, that personal beauty, that thing that you're wrestling with in yourself. Um, and we give it to our character and we blow it up into their terms. So in her terms, she used to watch these movies when she was at these shows when she was a kid and it made her feel like everything was going to be okay. And she, it reminded her of that wonderful relationship she had with her father and her mother and her brother, right? And that time in her life when she felt like she was destined to have a life like I love Lucy. And instead, her parents get killed. 
She gets inducted into a terrorist organization called Hydra. Her brother gets killed. The, she finds the love of her life. She reinvents herself as a superhero. She finds her power. And then her, the love of her life vision gets taken from her, not once, but twice. She gets played by a not-so-virtuous sword director, right, who knows that he can manipulate her, that he can manipulate her love. She sees that house that Vision meant to build for her, and what does she do? She tries to build it for herself. And that is something that all of us have done, right? All of us have held have built a false world for ourselves, trying to hold on to a vision that cannot be, right? Trying to avoid loss. And what's beautiful about WandaVision is WandaVision is saying, that's not the ugly part of you that did it, even though there's ugly things that are happening, right? Because her grief is affecting everyone around her, right? Her inability to allow reality in, the pressure with which she's forcing reality out of her life, trying to hold on to a vision that she cannot hold on to, that wants to collapse, right? That is... That is causing a tremendous amount of pain. Just like um, if you know uh, Avengers lore, right? Her mistake in Civil War caused a tremendous amount of pain, a mess that she meant to clean, that she didn't mean to cause, that she doesn't know how to clean up, right? So there's a tremendous amount of pain in this character. But what is really happening is something that we can all connect to, right? This this feeling that we all share of like, yeah, what would you not give to hold on to the person you love most in the world? And you can see that this theme is present throughout the entire story. Um, there's a great moment in episode two. So in episode two, uh, Vision and, and uh, Wanda are doing a uh, rehearsing a magic act. And there's a great line in a real magic act, everything is fake. And we have no idea what that line means yet. We just think it's a laugh line. But what's that line actually? That's that theme again, right? This is actually exactly what Wanda has done. Wanda has built a real magic act where everything is fake. And she's trying to hide that fakeness from everybody including herself. Um, uh, Vision has another great line. Tonight we will lie to you and you will believe our little deceptions. Um, this is a line he says during the magic act when he is drunk, having chewed the piece of gum. And it's an incredible line because that's also what Jack Schaefer is doing. Jack Schaefer is lying to you and telling you this is going to be a bewitched episode. And you're starting to go, maybe that is what she's doing. Maybe this is one of those shows where everything actually is going to be all right. Maybe this is just something silly. And you start to believe her little deceptions. Um, and then finally, my favorite line, which also happens when they are, um, when they're rehearsing, um, Vision says, fear not glamour, for I, illusion, vow to bring you back exactly as you are. So notice what's happened here. She's named herself Glamour, which is a obviously a reflection of the, the witchy version of Glamour. 
Um, but it's also that part of her who feels like she needs to be the glamorous housewife, right? And she's named him Illusion because she's aware that he's an illusion. And she is projecting her words. I, Illusion, vow to bring you back exactly as you are. She's projecting exactly what she did to him into the words he says back to her. Um, and this leads us to the idea that I want to end with, which is this idea of archetypes. Um, uh, there's this beautiful line at the very end of episode nine. Uh, she's about to let go of Vision once and for all. And Vision asks her, what am I? And she says, you, Vision, are the piece of the mind stone that lives in me. You are a body of wire and blood and bone that I created. You are my sadness and my hope. But mostly, you are my love. And that line is so freaking beautiful. But it's also so instructive. Um, now, a lot of times when people talk about archetypes, right, really, um, this is a topic for another podcast, but archetypes go all the way back to Jung, right? This idea of the collective unconscious that we could type it, that we could tap into through our dreams, through our subconscious, through our writing. And uh, Jung influenced a guy named Campbell who said, well, let's name this. If there are collective archetypes um, that in the collective unconscious that Jung can name as a psychologist, well, then there must be a collective story, a universal story that I can tell. And maybe I can name those archetypes. And if I name those archetypes, I can tell a story that matters to everybody, that means something to everybody that's universal. And so he came up with all these fancy names and all of his disciples came up with their fancy names for the same thing. And unfortunately, when people use those fancy names, when you set out to write a threshold guardian or a spiritual father or an emotional mother or a terrible father or um, an anima or an animus, or if you want to do more of like the save the cat version, the nosy neighbor or the funny best friend, when you start to write those archetypes, you usually end up not writing archetypes. You end up writing stereotypes. Where does a real, does a real archetype come from? Well, a real archetype comes from Jung, right? Comes from the collective unconscious, comes from this idea that there's this fabric that you can tap into. That all of these characters actually already exist in you, just like all of the characters of Wanda's world already exist in her. And that all of the characters that inhabit those worlds are both a true projection of some beautiful part of you and also living, breathing entities, right? That have their own purpose and their own journey, just like, like Vision does when he decides he wants to leave this world and do the right thing. Um, that they are both under our control. We can focus them by knowing who they are and what they are, what part of us they represent. But we also need to let them be themselves so that we don't smother them as she smothers them with her control and with her grief. So that our characters at the edges don't just become automatons hanging the, the clothesline again and again and again and again. We... We want our character to be fully breathing. And the way that we do that is not by going, I'm going to write an archetype. 
The way that we do that is by trusting that the archetype exists, by reaching into the collective unconscious, the mind stone in us, and asking ourselves, what is the part of us that that character is? And so you find vision, you go, oh my God, I thought vision was my grief, but vision's actually my love. And you go, and you blow life into that part of yourself. And sure, he's a body of wires and bone and blood that you created. Sure, he's sadness. Sure, he's hope. But you know at his core, he's mostly the part of you that's your love. And similarly, you might reach inside of yourself and go, you might connect to the part of yourself that is your, your feeling of unworthiness and go, and you realize, oh my God, that's Agnes. Agnes is the embodiment of my feeling of unworthiness. Agnes's superpower is that she sucks power from those who give it to her, right? She sucks power away from those that consider themselves unworthy, right? Agnes's power is that she uses her education to make others feel inferior, to take their power from her. But she doesn't just do this at the end when she reveals herself to be the witch. She's doing this throughout. She is always the one who is forcing and forcing and forcing Wanda to conform, to try to keep up with the Joneses, to try to behave appropriately, right? She's the one who's constantly undermining, even as she acts the part of helpful mentor, right? The part that's constantly undermining Wanda's belief in herself. Um, this is how you write characters, right? You don't write characters by reaching out and trying to write uh, this kind of character because you're going to write a cliche. You don't write a character by going, oh, I'm going to write that person. I'm going to write my father. I'm going to write my mother. No, that's not who you're writing. Uh, you don't go, I'm going to write this historical figure. You go, I'm going to write the part of that person that resides in me. What is the part of me that's Thomas Edison? What is the part of me that is my mother? What is the part of me that is vision? What is the part of me that is Wanda, right? That part of you, right? That part of you allows you, just in the same way that theme of love and grief focuses the structure of WandaVision, that theme that drives that character, that part of you that represents that character, that's the true archetype, right? That's what reminds you what this character is. So as you watch WandaVision, I would encourage you to ask yourself this very simple but very profound question. What is the vision for your life and your art that for all its beauty is holding you back? What is the belief about how your life is supposed to be or how your script is supposed to be that you need to let go of in order to step into your power as an artist? What is the craft that you need to learn so that your work cannot just be chaos magic, but can be the true embodiment of your voice? And how can you both honor 
the beautiful influences of your writing that mean so much to you, even as you step into the kind of writing that only you can do. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. As always, there is a full transcript available on my website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you would like to study with me, you can do so now for free every Thursday night uh, at our wonderful Thursday Night Rights events. Um, Every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, our whole community gets together. Um, It's me. Sometimes it's a guest as well. We talk screenwriting. We do writing exercises. We get feedback. We ask questions. We connect as a community. It's 100% free. If you can afford to make a donation, um, we will match your donation, and it all goes to our scholarship fund. Um, We've given away well over $100,000 in scholarships to help uh, COVID-affected students uh, continue their education during this crazy period that we're going through. Uh, If you can't afford to make a donation, well, then just come for free. Check out our classes. Get to know us. Be part of our community. I hope to see you there. And you can find more about that by going to writeyourscreenplay.com slash Thursday. 